0: Let's go back to the time when college changed the relationship of two childhood friends. <laughs> Welcome to I'm your host, Today's episode is about the two of my good friends growing up who ended up going to college together, but they quickly found out that the world is different than how we grew up. This episode is an interesting look at how social, athletic, and academic pressures of college put a strain on their friendship. This interview is broken up into three separate episodes. Part two is a continuation of our discussion about college and the different pressures, and part three focuses on Port- Portland and the protests that are currently going on there. Danny, lives in Portland, and he shares some of the history of the city and what is currently happening now with the protests there. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our website, thetimewind.net, for more information on each episode, as well as information on our monthly book club. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm here with two of my buddies from high school growing up. We're here with Rich Grant and Dan Grady. And so we are three of the founding members of the Bass Bros. (laughs) maybe you should tell everybody
1: what the bass bros are uh this is a family show
2: (laughs) the league of of distinguished gentlemen
1: (laughs) that's basically what it means
0: but now maybe give the listeners a little background about uh us growing up i guess my early earliest remember memory of uh of Dan was in sixth grade, we met playing uh Pop Warner football. You didn't go to elementary school with us though.
2: No, yeah, I was in Elden Eagle.
0: Yeah, so not until middle school.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, my memory is the same, you know. Um, Chris and I, the first year we ever played football, we met Dan Grade, right? Like and he he was our quarterback. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and uh, same here is we met right before we all entered 6th grade, which was the first year we were, you know, district-wide, was uh, everybody was coming together. And so we really hit the ground running in 6th grade. I remember we were all in the same homeroom.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Richie,
2: Richie Grant, Dan, Danny Grady, so we had our lockers together really since middle school. Yeah. yeah. And then um and I also as part of that fall, I remember in that same football season I remember breaking Richie's leg. And so yep. I got to, we got to leave every class about five minutes a couple of minutes early. Yeah. Be running down the halls and I'd be taking, you know, joy rides around Ray Middle School together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is so true. I totally it's like I, I always tell people my first year ever playing football, I broke my leg, but I forgot it was you on defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that, Dan. You yeah. didn't know when I broke it. That was the last play of practice, and Dan's defense had to stop our offense. I got the ball. Dan won. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Believe it or not, I was actually a linebacker that year.
0: (laughs) Uh, I didn't realize, Dan, you broke it. I just remember Rich sitting there on the bench waiting for the ambulance. It seemed like it was forever for the ambulance to come to pick you up.
1: Yeah. Now that we're adults, it was probably like 45 minutes an hour but to us back then i might as well slept out there like as i embellish the story as a parent i'll just (laughs) act like you know they had to break branches and put my leg in a splint
0: i do feel like it was a long time though you were like because i remember you laying there on the bench and it was getting cold and people tried to put like blankets or something on you you were just like laying there yeah
1: (laughs) and furthermore dan if i'm not wasn't that also what they called our jamboree night or something like that too? Like That's right. something going on that evening and that kind of put a damper. <laughs>
2: on Indeed. Yeah. I feel it. There was these two moments that first year where we, where we all met each other, you know, and it, I both, I feel like I was responsible for both starting Rich's illustrious football career and then almost ending it because <laughs> breaking the leg was a big deal. But I also remember we were playing, um, we were playing Sherman Park, Sherman Park yeah. Bulldogs that most of our team was absolutely terrified of playing. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I remember I was quarterback and we, for whatever reason, co- the coach called a passing play, which was giving me <laughs> instilling way too much confidence in my abilities. But, um, I went back to throw and I got absolutely crushed. And, uh, I remember it, which resulted in an interception, which I think was returned for a touchdown. And so yep. the very next play, they're kicking off to us. And I was usually the kick returner in the beginning of the year, and I was out. And so Rich jumped in back in my place, and he took the first kick off to the house. <laughs> and uh, yeah. a- after fumbling it, You know, fumbling it, by the way. Yeah, Uh, I didn't catch it. I it up and scored a touchdown, and I just remember the coach coming back and said, you know what, Dan? I'm pretty (laughs) sure your days as a kick returner are over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's true. I mean, you know, fast forward, just totally random tidbit, but that was the first time I ever got the ball in Baldinsville. Fast forward to the fall of '96. The last touchdown I ever scored in Baldensville was a kickoff I dropped also. In our very <laughs> last game, I dropped the kickoff and then took it for a touchdown. <laughs> so everything came full circle. That's
0: so, yeah, so we met in sixth grade and uh, played sports together, but we, we stayed friends throughout high school. Uh, Dan, you played lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't play lacrosse, but we stayed friends. And then you both went to Colgate right? But you guys didn't go at the same time.
2: Nope. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I went straight from high school and and then Richie took a post-grad year, right?
1: Yep. I did a post-grad year at a school in wilkes Pennsylvania area called Wyoming Seminary. And, you know, I had dreams and aspirations to, you know, not only get my grades up, but also earn a chance to play football in Syracuse, right? I wanted to play at Syracuse where our other friend who's not here with us today, George Scott, who grew up in the same neighborhood as Dan, That's right. um, mm-hmm. was going to play. So I do have something, and Dan, you, you clearly will remember this. Um, when I was at prep school, one of those times I was home and you were still in school, um, I was home on whatever break. Um, myself and Stephanie Grilly came to visit you at Colgate.
2: That's right like you remember that like yeah. we just
1: it, and it wasn't even a weekend if I recall it was like we came up on like a week night or something like that up and um you know that was the first time I had ever been to Colgate right like we knew it was a good school we knew you were going there because you know you were easily of the Bass Brothers you were the brains of the organization so, you know, that's really all I knew about Colgate. But yeah, we ended up in school together, albeit a year apart, you, class of 01, and myself, uh, class of 02.
2: That's right. Yeah. Man, I had forgotten that you guys came up to visit us. Such a. Such you were living a-
1: in East Hall.
2: Oh, East, no, I was in um, I was in Andrews. I was in oh Andrews, school
1: that's school what it was. One of yeah. the old school ones. Yeah. yeah.
2: And my roommate was also from Syracuse. He was uh, he, from Henniger High School. He's a great guy named Jeff. And uh, yeah, it was it's really interesting. I think that that's a that that was a really interesting you know inflection point. I, you know, just in in our lives generally. Obviously, yeah. you know, you're moving moving away from home first. You know, to prep school or to Just starting my college experience but obviously you know a year prep school is a different experience than college is you know I I I can imagine just given the um the student body at Colgate had a lot of kids that did the prep school route or boarding school or just yeah private school in general so I mean I don't I I know secondhand um how it worked out but I can I can promise you that I was having more fun my freshman year than, than Richie was having. <laughs> well, I remember
0: you had a lot of rules at that prep school. Yeah, so I had mandatory,
1: what they called family time dinners, um, Sunday through Thursday. So I had to have, because it was a boarding school, I had to have dinner with one of the faculty families. Um, and it wasn't just me and their family. It was always like a bunch of us students at our borders with families. Um, I had to get signed out to leave on the weekend to go to a friend's house or go home. Um, you know, and this wasn't the days where you could just have your parents send an email. Like my parents had to find time and call the dean's office, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to allow me to leave, right? Like, so it was uh, an interesting experience, but, you know, kind of something that Dan just pointed out, it's a much different experience and that a lot of Colgate's, uh, student body went the prep school route it interestingly kind of prepared me al- almost in a way different than you were right Dan. Yeah, so like the three of us can speak very well of what it's like to grow up and call it a middle class to upper middle class suburb um, but once I got to prep school I mean it was very similar to Colgate it's a private school um, a lot of a lot of the Student body it was relatively upper middle class. But unlike Baldensville, there were a lot more students of color. So, you know, where our graduating class from high school had Chris and myself um, <laughs> in our graduating class, um, you know, I had all kinds of both black and Latino friends all of a sudden. At my school, right, um, and that that was interesting because I think that kind of changed my um, my sort of academic and social life interaction. You know, like it, it balanced that I was used to spending the majority of my time with you, Clay, Matt Cavallaro, right, like the five of us, we spent almost all of our time throwing a couple of other names. And then the girls we were friends with, but that was what I did, but everything changed. And I'm sure it changed for you too, in terms of the the scope of your friends that you hung out with, like obviously
2: roommates key, but you also were on the lacrosse team, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was a really eye-opening experience for me in a lot of ways when I went to Colgate in in, in some ways it was very similar to our upbringing bringing in the sense that um, the student body looked n- not to the same quite the same extent um, you, know, you know demographically as as our high school did but you know a lot of white upper class, kids. Um, And then, you know, and then I participated on the lacrosse team. And so when I joined the lacrosse team, you know, at a, at a Patriot League school, I think, you know, we had one person of color on our team my entire four years on that. And, you know, I think that at least for me, from the, from the moment that I stepped foot on campus, Um, you know, within the first week I had met all the other incoming freshmen who were going to be trying out on the lacrosse team. And, and I, that in a, in a lot of ways that kind of started to define my, my social circle very quickly. And, um, and then once the season started and meeting the upperclassmen, then that really locked you in to a certain kind of social group, which was overwhelmingly white. You know, I think that that Mm -hmm. was, it's just what it was. you know, I think that the other thing that was interesting was that there was also this. You know, what what was different was I think that the the economic class of folks that ended up at Colgate was very different from Baldensville in a lot of ways. Um, where I think that you know in in Beeville, I think we all were kind of big fish in a relatively small pond. Um, you know, and then when I got to, and you know, I, I did really well academically in high school um, and did well in the lacrosse field. And then when I got to, to Colgate, you know, I realized, oh wait, you know, I was smart for a public school kid, but <laughs> these are the kids that went to like college preparatory school, <laughs> they're light years ahead of me academically. <laughs> uh, and so I really, for the first time in my life, school was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, that was a big wake up call for me as well. So I think that socially, um, you know, you, we, we slid right in and I think that that's probably worth exploring more, but, you know, I think it's, it's worth stating that, um, that like there's a lot of, you, you start to see how people's life experience and what they what they were exposed to prior to that or like the means that they had that allowed them to have certain opportunities prior to school. Really, like by the time they were even just 18 years old, like there was a lot of, a a lot, there's a big difference in terms of people's life experience, you know, just, just from day one stepping foot on, on it, on campus. And then, you know, then that continued to evolve in, you know, in our four years there.
0: Yeah. Did you notice the same thing, Rich? Did you notice like a, a big challenge in school, a big difference?
1: yeah i completely noticed a difference um and i noticed it pretty quickly right so i i get there a year after dan knowing that hey one of my best friends from high school already goes here right i'm also you know very highly recruited um to to join the football team right and i'm also fortunate that i'm going with two guys that i just did a prep school year with right so i sort of had or in my mind have this sort of safety blanket built in um, of a social circle, right? Um, But then I get to campus and, you know, I had a a unique first semester on campus because um, due to an NCAA matter, I wasn't cleared to play football immediately. So I was a regular student, right? But the main student body that I am there to be around, They're playing football, right? My roommates are playing football. Dan is an upperclassman per se. He's involved in lacrosse and he, I forget where you were living versus where I was living at the time, Dan, but he also joined one of the fraternal organizations, right? So, you know, I have to, I found myself having to pick, I can hang out with the football team when they were available, but other than that, what, what was I going to do? Who was I going to spend my time with? Um, and initially, I really spent a lot of my time with um, students of color that I entered into uh, the school with over the summer, right? There was a program called the Office of Undergraduate Studies that helps students of color or, or students from, um, you know, backgrounds that really aren't prepared for Colgate are not used to the dynamics that Colgate brings um, to get a jumpstart on college. You take two courses over the summer and you get acclimated to being in Hamilton, New York. So spend a lot of time with those folks out the gate, but then sprinkle in times with um, teammates. But I I rewinded my mind often. I just never really found my way consistently. Hey, Dan, let's meet up. Now, mind you, we didn't have cell phones back then, right? We, we, we had, this is pre-Facebook, right? So we literally had the, the directory of all the student body. But, you yeah, know, yeah. we didn't sift through that dorm room. Yeah. yeah, to figure out the dorm room. And quite frankly, you really didn't spend that much time in your dorm room um, if you didn't have to. So um, it, it was definitely an interesting change. And, you know, to go back, circle back to the whole uh, fraternal organization mm-hmm. thing, a lot of kids pair off pretty quickly into where they want to go with that. Um, Mostly the white students, right? There are no black fraternal organizations associated with Colgate, but that's sort of what they did. So a lot of the kids that look like the kids I hung out with, the white kids I hung out with that I thought I'd relate to, even the fellow athlete ones, I still didn't connect with right away. But, you know, it didn't inhibit me. It's just something that I noticed that I don't I never really dove into. So we're now looking back call it 20 years later. Yeah.
0: So did, yeah. go
2: ahead. Do you go guys ahead.
0: feel like like social pressures like kind of forced you guys to uh to like choose a side when you got to college?
2: Um, I certainly did. Um, you know, so I spent, you know, one very significant thing I think here is that I already had a year under my belt. So I had a year of figuring out what this college thing was all about and who my friends were going to be and developing those social relationships and, you know, and figuring out the academics, at least to a degree, and just kind of, you know, trying to getting a sense of where I fit into this institution. And then, you know, I, I remember the following fall, my sophomore year, Richie's, freshman year was first of all i was so excited that rich was coming to colgate i was just like oh my gosh it's like we're getting the band back together (laughs) (laughs) i remember thinking the exact same thing (laughs) like we're gonna be thick as thieves just like old times you know and and then we i get on the campus and you know what's what's i think a little little bit of context in terms of this the as richie had mentioned with the whole fraternity scene at Colgate, um, freshmen are, are not allowed to be a part of that fraternities. Um, it's not until your sophomore fall when you when you rush and you decide, you know, what fraternity you're going to be in, and then you then you're in your pledge period, mm-hmm. which is essentially the entire fall semester. And so, you know, I showed up really excited to, to to reconnect with Richie, and then school started, and boom, like you know, I was stepping back into this social network that I had established the previous year but now I actually like I'm not having to figure it out I knew exactly where I was going what it was going to look like who I was going to hang with and everything else and you know a big part of that was obviously my the relationships with a lot of guys on the lacrosse team which were overwhelmingly in a very specific house and so there was really no question like I mean it was kind of preordained I I frankly I didn't feel like I had much choice in the matter and I think that that's That's part of maybe a a lack of maturity or confidence. In in retrospect, I think that that's on my own part um, of not being like, well, you know, I don't have to do this. Not really, this may or may not be a good fit for me, but it was, I mean, it was kind of a given within my, you know, my athletic team and hence my larger social circle that, you know, I'm going to go and pledge into this house I'm going to be hanging out with these lacrosse guys. We're going to be doing, doing this. And then in between academics, between um, you know, lacrosse is a spring sport where we have a fall, we have fall ball, you know, or just like football has spring ball. Um, so I had the fall ball, I had academics, and then I had this, these fraternity obligations and pledging is awful. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it it is all consuming where every free moment that I had where I wasn't, playing lacrosse or studying, I was at the fraternity house doing stupid stuff, you know? (laughs) Um, And so there just wasn't a lot of space to be able to reach out to Richie. Um, And, you know, which all that I really wanted to be was like, this is, you know, like literally the day before I left for school, I'm like, this is going to be great. Like, I already have like the whole lay of the land figured out. I can impart all of this like information on Rich and really help his transition. And like, we can be successful together here. Mm -hmm. And then the reality hit as soon as we were both on campus. And I was like, I got my thing going on and you were developing.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out myself.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, and, you know, in retrospect, you know, full disclosure, I was a really immature kid. You know, at 19, all that I wanted to do was like, I wanted to play lacrosse. I came in the best shape of my life. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, doing really well in that fall. But then I was also, you know, just a knucklehead partying my tail off and, you know, (laughs) and then just like trying to figure out what on earth I wanted to do academically um, as well. There just wasn't a lot of space, um, Mm -hmm. you know, initially. And so like within the first semester. You know, by the time that we get to Thanksgiving or so, like, you know, Richie's starting to figure himself out, I think. I mean, you can speak to that, rich yeah. but, like, I was locked in, you know. Right. And Yeah. And it was like, oh, I guess this is going to be our experience. These kind right. of experiences at this – at the same place. Was, rich, like, one of my best friends. It's crazy.
0: Rich, did you feel pressure from some of your, like, black teammates? So it's interesting you say that because I
1: think – quite frankly, that pressure that you took on and you sort of felt, Dan, Mm -hmm. almost was like a release valve for me because I essentially used you as a relief valve to keep me from some of the pressures of being a part of the football team, right? The football team has a specific house also at Colgate University. But my best friend from high school, one of my best friends as I always refer to him goes here too, and he's a member of a different frat and he plays the cross here, and I wanted to hang out with him too, right? In theory, we always wanted to hang out together. Um, and as long as I had that in the back of my mind, I didn't get pulled like a lot of the football players do to hang out there. But then also, you know, um, my first two roommates were white guys, but as I, you know, though I wasn't able to play football, um, for the first I think the last week of the season was when the NCAA cleared me that's when I was able to practice I got like two three weeks of practicing but fellow black teammates and I started to create like Dan said around that Thanksgiving time we started to create sort of our circle and how we're going to navigate this um, you know Chris you've known many of these people that that I'm talking to but it's like That's when I really started to sort of lock in. And while Dan was poised to give me the lay of the land, it was those relationships that really did give me the lay of the land. So, you know, it's one of those things where I wouldn't say I felt pressure, but as I chose how to assimilate, it just was easier um, to really assimilate with the, the people that I felt sort of felt like I did at Colgate. Right, like, and that was generally the black students. Right, I was a bit of a chameleon because I was able to go to Theta Chi and not blink an eye. Um, you know, because I have a friend there, I was able to go to Sigma Chi another because I had friends there um, that I made during like orientation. Right, um, you know, so I um, I sort of look back, and I wouldn't say I felt pressure, but I I you know. I used knowing that my good buddy Dan Grady is here as an excuse to not feel pressure to hang out with anybody. Particularly, I almost used you kind of, you know, this is a psychoanalysis of myself, almost used it like a crutch, right? Like if I felt any pressure or like, hey, you, why aren't you coming here to hang out with us? I would throw out like, oh, I want to go check on my friends over here and stuff like that. So, Um, you know, as I look back, I mean, I think that's part of the the challenge of navigating a social dynamic where, you know, for really the better part of seven years of our life, we spend all of our time together, you know, sixth grade through high school, through, through graduation, and even, you know, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we spent more time together that first year I was at Colgate, when we came home from winter break than we ever did the first semester.
2: I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was just like, like, oh, yeah, like, oh, everybody's back from college, and it's just like, oh, yeah, we're back into that home dynamic, and we can recreate that. We know what that looks like.
1: Yep. Yeah. But um, then we go back in January. You're about to start your season, and it's like, hey, see
0: you again this summer.
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: yeah. Wow, that's really interesting.
2: Yeah. That's yeah really I have a bit of a an armchair theory on this that I'd love to to ask you, Rich. Is yeah, and maybe this was at maybe this was at your year of prep school that you've you you mentioned earlier. Maybe this was freshman year. I'm not sure, but was you know given given that you know our high school our childhood experience was in this w- was in the place that it was in Baldwinsville, New York, and you know you and Chris are essentially, you know, with a, and a few others are essentially the, the, the black community of our high school, right? I mean, yeah. you're it. And so you guys were kind of defining that for yourselves, but it was, it was you guys. It was a very small, small nucleus of, of, of people was, would you, would you say that like whether it was whether it was prep school or colgate like was that really the first time that you were feeling like you were really exposed exposed and like, had access to like a larger you know black community to to tap yeah. into
1: quite frankly on a consistent basis yes right because listen i had my comfort zone um in my best friend, our host, Chris McLean, <laughs> right? Growing up in high school. And then I formed similar with a fellow black PG that was there. But there were also, like I said, several other black students there. There were, there were even like one of them was even Jamaican like me, right? Like so that that also grew a comfort. And then I got to campus and actually you both know this guy very well. There was a guy on the football team who was our age proper that was also a fellow Jamaican guy, black man, right? So, you know, all of a sudden, like, once I got out of Baldonsville, I was able to identify, even though it was a larger world, these people that are alike, a lot like me, but they're also black like me. You know what I mean? And it's like, no matter how much time I spent hanging out with my white friends and, and going to the bars or going to the frats, they, that was, it sort of became my natural comfort zone, almost like a discovering of my blackness, if you will. Once I got out of Baldensville, right? Like, I never had any problems in Baldensville. I know that's not the same for every black student that has come through Baldensville, but I personally never had any racially motivated problems or felt any type of way. Once I got out of there, I saw how people talked about certain people, how people stereotyped, or even made what they viewed as jokes around other black people. And, you know, shamefully, I didn't say much back then, but I was noticing it. I saw it and I still found a comfort sort of retreating back to those folks. Going, starting my sophomore year, I lived with black people the rest of my time at Colgate, right? like it changed that quickly, um, for me. Right. Um, I only had one more white roommate for the remainder of my entire
2: time there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Cause you know, for me, Colgate was just an extension of my white experience, you know, and for you, it sounds like it was like the, the almost like this, this awakening of, of this, of this black experience, which is not that it drove a wedge in any way with our, our personal relationship, but it, can become like a reason why we're seeing less of each other as well is because you're exploring that. And I wasn't going down to the Harlem Renaissance Center and hanging out. Yeah. Like, do you know I,
0: I was thinking that when you guys both used that term, lay of the land. And like, Rich, do you think that you needed other Black students to kind of give you the lay of the land, like that the Black student athlete experience at Colgate is different than the white student athlete experience at Colgate?
1: Um. Young me didn't realize it, but yes, that's what was happening, right? Like young me just thought, Hey, people like me, right? I can go do this. I can go do that. But mature me and, you know, retrospect me realizes that is exactly what was happening, right? Like the black student athlete experience was different. I mean, I ended up being a sociology major because that was the first black professor and black, teacher, black educator, I ever had. And just the vibe I got from that class, and it was, that was the first class I was ever in that had a lot of black people, right? Like, it's just like everything sort of, it was like a convergence uh, of things. And um, I really think that helped me realize that, hey, it's going to be different for myself as a black student than it ever was in baldensville or even in Wyoming Seminary, right? Like it was going to be a different experience and the best people to help me navigate that would be the people that have done it already, right? The people that were seniors, juniors, sophomores. They were going to be, going to be the people that were going to give me the real of how I'm going to do this. Because even if Dan had been able to come to fruition as we had hoped, I still don't know if it would have been as effective as what actually happened
0: so did you find yourself struggling when you went home during like the summer or during breaks and like you returned back to beeville and you went back to your old experience was that like a struggle for you
1: i wouldn't say it was a struggle i mean it, it's kind of weird i feel like i compartmentalize some things, but at the same time when I would go home, I had you, Chris, right? Like, unless you were in Delaware for a semester, but even when I didn't have you, George Scott, our, a fellow Baldwin alum of ours that is also black, him and I spent a lot of
0: time together,
1: right? Like all summers, right? Yeah, on the weekends, I'd go back to Dan was around and other people drinking beer and hanging out, going out <laughs> with them, but... Other than that, it wasn't like, oh, it's Tuesday. I got nothing doing. You got nothing doing. Dan, let's meet up again. Before, if you had asked me that what I saw happening before that sort of change happened, when I got to Colgate and Dan was already there, you couldn't have told Dan or I that would ever be the case, right? Like, we don't have to go to school now. We don't have sports to worry about now. We can hang out all the time, yeah. right? Like that's what you would have thought, but it never really truly returned to that. And part of it's maturity, I think. Dan, you called yourself, you know, you were really immature back then, but also I think it, it was a maturity we took on different responsibilities of what we needed or wanted to do during the summer. Um, and, you know, the, the sort of drive of, I want to hang out with my buddies never went away. But it just wasn't the primo priority when we were home right so it, it changed it definitely changed Chris really after that semester like what Dan alluded to
2: yeah I mean I remember you know two things since that initial semester so we're talking like fall your freshman my sophomore year yeah and then The spring happened and, you know, the fall, by the, by the end of that fall term, I mean, I was, you know, I think on a personal level too, I think I went in my sophomore year with just really high expectations just because, you know, I, I felt like I had kind of figured things out my freshman year. I was ready to, you know, excel in the lacrosse field. I was ready to figure out academics. I was really excited about the social scene because I wasn't this lowly freshman anymore. I could actually like fully participate in the kind of Colgate social scene, you know, with the fraternity life at the time I thought was important and so on. And then really by the end of that fall term, which was that pledging period for me with the fraternity, I was just like, I was really beaten down and worn out. And, um, so then when, by the time we got into this, the, the spring that year, it's my lacrosse season. So, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm doing academics and lacrosse, and that's pretty much it. But I also remember like all of my roommates, I, I was in like a suite in, um, where it's like you know, three different rooms, but you know we're all sharing. That's like kind of kind of a pod with with my chosen roommates. And like, I made the mistake I think of signing up with like five additional five other lacrosse players, four of which were I also had pledged with. So I was literally spending almost every waking moment mm-hmm. of the day with the same same people, and um, and I was just like it it wore on me to the point where you know i i I remember my one roommate who did who was the wise one of the group that did not pledge a fraternity and he was like he was like i haven't by the end of the spring i remember him pulling me aside one day and just being like danny i haven't seen you smile in two months and i was just like i was just over school i was thinking of transferring i was ready to drop out i was like i was you know drinking and smoking a bunch of pot and just like, while also, by the way, doing really well in the lacrosse field somehow. You know? <laughs> I mean, like well enough. I mean, in retrospect, I should have been doing much better, but like I was really excelling for being only a second year um, and just flat out miserable at that yeah. school at the time. And so, you know, I think that the, the well had kind of run dry for me by, by the end of that, that year. So by the time we got to that first summer back, in Baldinsville, like on the one hand, like a lot of things had definitely changed, you know, just in terms of our experience. But then I think I, I think also I just wasn't necessarily in a really healthy place where I was just like I continued to just like party really hard. I find a, found a group of guys, all friends of ours, mm-hmm. um, who really loved drinking beer, and I was like, "You, these are my people now. I guess <laughs> let's do that." You know, literally, at, like I would go to work at the grocery store. Get off on a Friday night, go straight to my friend's house. I wouldn't leave there until Monday morning, and, uh, yeah. and then I just repeat for the whole summer. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so, like you know, it, it kind of speaks like best laid plans that we both had, and then you know, and then school had school got its its claws into us, and and then we just kind of had different experiences, you know. So huh? I How didn't
1: works? know. Oh so Chris, I just wanted to say I didn't know you like had that that downtrodden and sort of experience, um, Dan. But I got to tell you, you know, coming from a different team, different sport, I actually had a very similar period myself, where I thought about transferring, I thought about leaving, um, and all that, and obviously you know, I'm so happy I powered through everything, but you know, I think, I think, you know, and this could just be conjecture, but like, I think when I look back, it could be a lot to do with, hey, we grew up X, Y, Z way. We're now at this really prestigious academic institution playing at a very high level of athletics and navigating these social circles and it's exhausting right? Like, it's exhausting. And I, you know, again, you know, we're, we're two different people, but we grew up sort of in the same pod. And we sort of had the same struggle, completely separate, right? Like, we had the same struggle at the same school, completely separate from each other. And again, we weren't mature enough, to revert back to the to each other and lean on each other, like, hey, this sucks for, for me right now. Yeah. This is not going well right now. Let's just take a weekend and go back home to Baldwinville together or anything like that. Like it just never dawned on us to to retreat and lean on that. So you know, thanks for sharing that because again, I never know and I obviously I've probably never told you that yeah. I felt the same. I actually, to take it a step further, I actually reported to camp past conditioning and everything my junior year. So this is uh, the year you're graduating. And I actually went into our coach's office and said, I don't want to play football anymore and went home to Baltimore. Um, Thankfully he said, Rich, if you need to take some time to gather yourself, do it. And then I expect you back here in a few days. So I was home in Baldwinville for two, maybe it was three days. Not even doing anything, right? Chris has gone back to school. I I don't think you were, it couldn't have been you back to school yet, but who knows where you guys were. I don't think I talked to anybody. I just was ready to give up football and didn't want to be there anymore. Man, that's cool. But I fought through it and I persevered and I am where I am now. But that is a lesson I think back and, you know, I've never really analyzed, but to hear what you went through, I, I think you probably had a very similar feeling coming from a totally different
2: place. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I, I don't know that we ever really talked about that. I'm sh- pretty sure that we haven't. And, you know, I was actually on campus that summer because I was doing like a field study. I was, I was a geology major. Um, Aaron Harp that's right that's right i took
1: mega geology my favorite class actually
2: yeah i was a tutor i I got half the lacrosse team through her class
1: (laughs) by the way i never went to you i could have gone to you i think i ended up with a c plus you
2: could have got me a b plus oh absolutely at minimum man i was you're gonna help me out man (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i I remember so i was on campus because i had done like a field course and then i had um and then I, I had a research job with, within the department for the latter part of the summer. So I was like one of the few people that, that wasn't a fall athlete that was on campus. And um, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready for, for my, you know, lacrosse. I'm going to the weight room and stuff and and running into some of, some of our common friends. Cause mm-hmm. um, you know, I knew a lot of your friends. We were all cool. Yeah, like we were Always, you know, Oh yeah, Grady. That's like Richie's boy from 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 Bevo. Yeah. Like this is the thing was we were all like, there was never any any animosity. There was never any sort of like oh what what did we used to be? It was always like this. We had this ideal of what we still were, but just reality wasn't quite playing out the same way. Yeah. Um. But in any case, like I I do remember when well, now you say that like being in the weight room and being like hey where's Richie you know um like. You know, I haven't seen him for a couple of days. I, was I didn't tell
1: back. any of my roommates. I just you know, literally I talked to really Coach Biddle and I left. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. And, I, and like, th- that was the response. It was like, we have no idea. He's like AWOL, you know. And uh, But at the time, you know, this is pre-cell phones. There was no way to reach out. I'm just like, I guess I'll see him when I see him. And I'm like, you know, I saw him, like, I saw you, like, just around, like, a week later. I'm like, well, oh, this is all right.
1: Yeah, but it, it, it was, was.
2: 21 years old or so, or 22 years old. Like, we're not sitting down and talking about that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was, because remember, I was 21 because of have been doing the prep school year, um, and I don't know, something just felt off, and football, which was a sanctuary going back, um, really starting freshman year of high school, at, and I was living what I wanted to do, which was playing college football, and it just didn't feel right, um, and you know, I thought I need to walk away, but again, I'm glad I didn't. Obviously, you know, I'm so proud to to have not transferred or looked to leave because, you know, I can have my, and, and work my Colgate network that I'm very proud to be a part of. Um, but again, it's like full circle. Here I am having hard times and I didn't reach out to my good friends that were my safety blanket that we referred to earlier. And I also didn't reach out to my childhood best friend who was there. Right. So it's sort of, I think that sort of speaks to sort of how dynamics change no matter how you see things and how you have things planned. Once you get into an environment like secondary education, right? Like once you're in higher education, it's a different ball game. Um, And maybe it's always going to be that way, but hopefully, you know, students out there can realize that they can lean on each other more or talk to people like us that have had experiences um that probably aren't all that different from theirs and what they're feeling right it's not the same and the generation has changed the tools have changed with cell phones and and you know the internet and access and ready information but you know it, it, it's something that i think about uh, when i think about you know our relationship, right?
0: Like, Thank you for listening to part one of the interview with Danny and Rich. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to episodes two and three. Episode two is a continuation of our discussion about society and college. And then episode three focuses more on Portland and the protests that are currently going on there. And remember, everyone has a story.